Hi, you're listening to Head Over Heels, a podcast where we explore what it's like to be a modern Asian woman, a safe space for honest conversations and more. Today's episode will be all about managing your finance from taxes, savings to investments. So sit back, relax and get the money rolling. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Head Over Heels. I'm your host, Maggie. And just like that, it's already the second quarter of 2021, guys. How crazy is that? Now, today is a very specific topic. I asked you guys on my Instagram just a couple of days ago. Was it last week? I don't remember, but that doesn't matter. But we will be discussing all things finance and money, specifically tax, savings, investments. And also because tax season is approaching to those of you who are supposed to pay tax but have never been or do not know if you need to pay tax or not or what the hell is tax well tune in stay tuned because we do have someone that will be chatting about about that with me and of course we will be learning a little bit about um everything money related so we can be smarter and we can manage our money better and just really get better at adulting in general and hopefully by the end of this episode um I know one episode is not enough to be very honest, but who we'll see, maybe part two coming after this. But yes, let's dev- dive right into it for this episode. I have a very special guest because y'all know I'm terrible with math, with money. So if I were to be advising you guys, it's not going to end well. So um, <laughs> thank goodness though, our guest, she's pretty good with money and that's why she's here today. Her name is Suyin Ong, or better known as Suyin Vest on Instagram. Hey, girl. Hey, Maggie. Thanks for having me. I'm nervous, but excited to be here. Suyin, I think for most of our viewers on Head Over Heels, it's probably their first time hearing from you. Could you maybe just do a bit of introduction of what you do, uh, your background, and how did your interest in finance come about? Sure. Okay. Uh, I I currently create some videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I post them in my free time. Mm-hmm. I am definitely no money expert. I just am someone who is very regular, but I wanted to learn more about it. And I see that not everybody has friends who likes talking about it. So I wanted to wrap that and yeah. just have that conversation with more people. Yeah. I used to teach in an international school mm. and that's where I first got interested mm. in finance because yeah. like a lot of the teachers were business owners, they were investors and yeah, I felt like I wanted to be part of that. So that's where it really started. Yeah. And right now I'm in sales because I wanted to learn that skill as well. Right. So you are a woman with uh, multiple skills. I try, I try. Yeah, I think we all got to try a little bit of <laughs> yeah. something, right? <laughs> but anyway, like having said that though, have you always been good with money? Definitely not. Yeah. I, I, was, I was really bad with money. <laughs> I think a lot of us do start off that way. Yeah. Because like being a woman or being female, we yeah. get a lot of marketing messages targeting yes. us to yes. purchase this and look good. So yeah, yeah I'm definitely, I've fallen prey to that <laughs> so many times over. And when I first started working, I, I was just that. Even though I had so much... Uh, privilege to stay at home mm-hmm. and borrow a car I still was spending so much money yeah and that freaked me out mm-hmm. so that's why I started to look for ways to be better yeah and it took yeah it took a bit of work to get there yeah I mean personally I recently downloaded this app which is part of the Maybank to you app called, yeah I think MAE MAE yes nice. and that's where they kind of like track your spending as well show you everything yeah and I'm like <laughs> 
holy shit, have I been spending this much? And I really yes. never realized how much money I spend on a monthly basis. That's when I kind of freaked out and mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to cut down on my 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 spending. But yep. the thing is, I don't buy stuff. I always tell myself that I'm not the kind that would spend maybe a couple of thousand on a bag or, or clothes yep. or whatnot. So I thought I was all right until I actually saw the breakdown of the money. And that- <laughs> where was it mostly going to? Food. Food, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, we all have our guilty pleasures. Yes. And you know, like, even buying groceries online and mm. things like that, it adds up if yes. we're not looking at it. I spend a lot on groceries. Like, yeah. I don't think, I just buy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can relate. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a natural spender. Yeah. So I still have a lot of those habits. Well, hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll all be able to learn a thing or two about managing our finances better. But before we get to that though, I know tax season is approaching. Yes. And I will have to tell you guys a personal story of mine. So obviously it's been a few years since I start, started paying tax because it's been a couple of years since I've been employed, been working. started working. Yeah. And all these while, before I started paying tax, I always thought that um, as only when I'm actually f- employed by a company that you have to then pay. have then only I have to pay tax. Ah. And then at that point, I was kind of like freelancing while studying at the same time, and I was already earning, mm-hmm. right? So I never thought I needed to pay tax because, quote unquote, I wasn't employed. Sure, yeah, right. And obviously, someone told me no. That's not how it goes. As long as you're having some sort of income and you hit a certain um, benchmark, threshold. Yeah. a threshold, you need to start paying. I'm like, holy shit! Will I get into trouble? So that's when the panic started coming in. But anyway, uh, my <laughs> first time, my first year paying my tax. By, by the way, guys, to those of you who are not Malaysian, this is we're talking about Malaysian tax, all right? Mm. So it may or may not apply to your country's taxation rule or whatnot. Um, I got a call a couple of months later after submitting my declaring my tax that um i i underpaid so oh. i had to get a punishment oh, so no. i had to be penalized some i think 10% or whatnot and have to top up a certain amount okay. and that's when i'm like okay i really don't know how this works so that's when i started getting someone to help me out but sure. you know if you have experienced this before i feel you or if you are a first time taxpayer this year then I hope this would be helpful for you. Is that normal? I, I think it's completely normal, but I think we also need to like caveat this that mm. because you were freelancing, that's why it was a little bit less straightforward. That's if true. If you get what I mean. So you probably set up like a sole prop. At the time, no sole prop. No. Yeah. Mm, okay. So I was paying like individual tax. Individual. And I really didn't yeah. know how to navigate. Like, okay, that, that's the, my, my issue at the time. Mm-hmm. I was not employed. Technically, I was a freelancer. So yes. where do I fall? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the onus is on you to track every single income, yes. revenue. Yeah. And so. I never collect my receipts. Ooh, at the time, yeah. at the time. I never do. I just You must have been away. like scarring that yes. year. I was scarring and I was just like, does anybody has any receipt that I can just use? Because, you know, like receipts is quite general, right? Yeah, I, had, yeah. I had zero receipts. So that's why I guess that's where the um, the um, loophole came in where I For really sure. didn't know what to do. Yeah, I, I mean, like even as someone who I've always been employed and that's mm, how I declare yeah. my taxes, even coming from that perspective, yeah. it was still daunting. Like the first time having to set up where to actually go to pay your taxes. Yeah. We don't know until we actually have to do it, right? Correct. So yeah, it's a journey. So maybe from your experience, and now that you're very well versed with that, 
for a first-time taxpayer, mm-hmm. what should they be doing? And actually, how do you know if you need to pay tax? Okay, so there is like um, a common threshold that mm-hmm. most people talk about. They say if you earn anywhere more than $24,000 a year, mm-hmm. you will be needing to pay tax. Right. But if you look at the schedule, like there's tax brackets that you can look mm-hmm. on Google. Yeah. Just type in like Malaysian tax brackets. Yeah. You will see that if you earn like a chargeable, okay, if you earn an income yeah. that is tax chargeable of above five hundred, sorry, five thousand and one ringgit, mm-hmm. then you already need to start paying tax. Five thousand and one ringgit, ringgit a month. Uh, like in a year. In a year. year. Okay. So they always look at in a year basis. Okay. So that is that amount. All right. But when it comes to taxes, mm-hmm. it's always about chargeable income. Right. So even though you're earning a certain amount. It's yep. whether it's chargeable or not Correct. because you have deductions and Correct. reliefs and yes. all of that. And so the the, the threshold would be twenty twenty four thousand. Yeah. I thought it was twenty thirty five. Twenty four thousand is the consensus. Right. Okay, understood. Yeah, and um, someone actually asked this question, and I mean, obviously, I don't have tax, so I don't I don't have stocks, so I wouldn't know. Okay. Do you need to declare your earnings from stocks as income? Ah, yes. This question is very common, right? Yeah. Uh, because we're in Malaysia, yeah. we don't get tax on our uh, capital gains mm-hmm. for our stock investments. So mm-hmm. that's a big bonus of being an investor in Malaysia. Right. Whereas for property, we do have taxes. Right. And what that. about rental? So if you have a property and you rent it out, that rental yes. considers as income, income too, right? That's right. Right. Okay. So there are so many things that I guess at that time when I was for my first time paying tax, I didn't know what to declare and what not to. But yeah. actually in the list of, um, you know, when you go to LHDN, there's a sure. list of stuff that you need to declare. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, they, they try their best to make yeah. it straightforward. But obviously when you're new at something, yeah. it's going to take a little bit of like push and shove. Like even yeah. up till now, Every year when we declare tax, yeah. people always say, oh, can this be deducted? Correct. Like, this internet bill, like yeah. if it's tied to my phone bill, yeah. can that be de- deducted? Yeah. So there's always some nitty gritty that needs to be addressed. True. And it really depends also what tax are you paying? Individual tax, yep. sole prop, and then there's a PLT, and yes. then there's Sundran Berhad. Yep. Uh, it's it, a lot. It's a lot. So we may not be able to get into that but I think mm-hmm. my advice for you guys is if you are earning a certain amount annually, so mm-hmm. get yourself registered at LHDN. Am yeah. I right? Get your PIN yeah. for your first time login. Correct. And then you can look at it on my text. Yes. And then, yeah, like right now the interface is much better. Oh yeah, I agree. Right? This year, I <laughs> yes. think they just changed it. So it's a bit more self-explanatory. So guys, yeah. I think it's important. You cannot evade tax. There's no way you can avoid it, guys. So as you, if you are a Malaysian citizen, just just be honest about your earnings, I guess, and just declare and be smart about it. Yeah, and definitely keep your receipts. There are oh, things yeah. that we spend on that are te- uh, like eligible for tax relief. Like stationaries? Stationary. Um, well, mostly... I don't know about personal tax. Okay, so this is like... Personal tax, not yeah. company, okay. right? We're, We're talking li- about personal. Yeah. Like the business side is super interesting. You yeah. can declare so much yes. on expenses, yeah. right? And that's the advantage of that. Yeah. And that's why I'm also exploring that through right. a PLT. Mm. But on the individual side, what you want to look out for are your like, um, this category called lifestyle. Okay. Where you can spend on um, sports equipment. Yeah. Or books or yeah. uh, internet bill, mm-hmm. computer, personal that's computer. Right. 
and then medical checkups. Like yeah. there are a lot of different categories Correct. that when you spend money, you're able to reduce your taxable income. For sure. And mm. most importantly though, you need to have your receipts as proof and as yeah, otherwise. And for seven years. Yeah, you got to keep them for seven years, guys. Ugh. So that's one thing that you need to really um, keep all these documents for safekeeping. Otherwise, yeah. it will not be valid. They could say that you kind of just made it yeah, up. and you lied. Yeah, so there's <laughs> just so much to taxation. But anyway, I think um, just a basic of tax really just make sure you know how much you're earning of course if you're still a student and you're only getting like a couple of hundreds a month then you're good you don't yeah. have to so it really depends on your annual income and your chargeable income and most importantly keep your receipts um save them and pay on time but usually they give like uh two weeks of uh leeway from the date from due paying date. yeah right uh, so normally they just have a cutoff date of 31st april for individual taxes it's right. different for companies they mm. have a different date but i think last year and mm. this year they do have an, an extension period right but like what i was saying earlier to maggie if they owe you money just submit yeah. and get that money back yeah all that money, just make sure you pay on the right <laughs> dates and make uh, that tax holiday work for you. That's right. And I hope that gives you a little bit of insight when it comes to tax. This is really applicable for most of you first-time taxpayers. And to those of you who have been already paying tax for years, just like me and Suyin, you guys know what's going on. Here's a reminder to start uh, tracking your receipts don't keep them in a box and then scramble towards the end of the month mm -hmm. and panic that's what I do so <laughs> but anyway um, speaking of money you know like in growing up in our Asian household it's kind of a norm where um, people think that it's not a woman's job when it comes to money yeah let your husband take care of it let your boyfriend take care of it you just you know sit good be sit good pretty. sit pretty sit good and be good and wait for the money to come mm -hmm. and obviously times have changed for sure um women are a lot more um powerful these days we work we earn just as much as men do therefore we also want to be able to take charge of our own life but why do you think women think still think that way subconsciously that money is not our territory we shouldn't even touch it leave it to the men well i guess like it's it's a lot right yeah when you grow up with that sort of uh discourse mm -hmm. that it's the male's role to take care of finance and when you see in the regular household that is the case yeah then you internalize it that mm -hmm. becomes our reality yeah. and i guess like growing up my family is like we're all female. Oh. Except for my dad. Yeah. Clearly, right? <laughs> so I I guess like we had that privilege of not relying on a brother. Right. A brother figure. But my dad did coddle us and say, you know, I'll take care of you. Yeah. I'll make sure you're comfortable. Yeah. And that scared the crap out of me. Because yeah. I didn't want to have that sort of relationship with money and Yeah. Being too reliant yeah. on the source. Right. right, being dependent. Yeah, And I guess I was very lucky because my mom, she had to give up her career mm -hmm. to raise us because mm -hmm. she had very difficult pregnancies. Yeah. And because she had that experience, she was, al she was always saying, you know, you need to have your own career because if you just leave everything up to your husband, your partner, 
you're never going to feel fully secure. Mm. And then, you know, the relationship might be going great. But if you have arguments, sometimes tough things come out and say like, you know, the money isn't yours. It's true. I think not just that, in, even in relationships, not just marriage. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, couples kind of move in together with the other yes. part party, even before marriage, right? It's like now a norm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you're not contributing, you don't really have much of a say. And it right. applies the same when it comes to marriage. Yeah, it's a power struggle. It is. It becomes it is. one. It is. And it sucks because I do remember growing up, I was told to marry a rich man so that I don't have to worry about life anymore. Yeah. But obviously t- things change when my mother and my, my dad kind of like, you know, separated. That's when my mom told me and my sister to make sure we have money on our own to mm-hmm. fall back to and never, ever, ever rely on a man yep. too much. When obviously things only change when... Things happen. Things happen. Right. Right. But uh, it's tough. It's tough. So from a very young age, I was already told to save money, save money. Always make sure you have savings. Never um, let your savings go dry. Nice. So that's what I was, I grew up with. Yeah. But the thing is, that's all I knew. Yes. And that's the thing that they tell <laughs> us females. Correct. Like, you need to save. And yeah. then we get very good at it yeah. to the point that we just hoard. Correct. And we don't know what to do with it next. Exactly. So I think it is so important to notice what people are telling us mm-hmm. and to see whether that will sit right with us. Yeah. So like if savings is just what we can do, mm-hmm. that's just going to limit us in the future. Exactly. Which brings me to this point. Um, we talked about tax a little bit. Now really, um, the next pillar of conversation is savings. So a couple of days ago, I asked you guys, my listeners, followers on Instagram, this question, how do you save your money and what do you do with your savings? Ooh. Such a simple question, but the amount of responses I got, it was really interesting to oh, see how like different people really do have different ways of managing um, savings. Some say they don't save because mm-hmm. they don't earn enough to save. Yeah. Uh, some okay. say by not touching at least 10% of my income, no matter what, and invest in stock market. Nice. Some said apply the 50-20-30 rule. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot. Um, we can so, talk about that later. Yeah, a it's a system. Yeah. And then some said transfer 30% to another account and after it accumulates uh, for something and I put them into FD. So FD is also a very common response. I personally have FD. Yeah, I I have them too. All I have. So I have savings and a bit of FD, which I kind of put in many years ago, never touched it since, but the return is really low, right? Yeah, it's getting super (laughs) low. And also I have... um, this response for somebody that said, since freelancing, I pay myself a fixed salary every month. Ooh, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Anything above the fixed salary gets put into savings and stashed away. Mm. Um, mm. And also, um, someone said, I have two bank accounts, one for saving, one for spending. And most of them just put them in a bank and let them hoard. Like yep. what you just said. Yes. So, that's why we have you here. Sure. Um, I'm pretty sure those are some of the very common responses that you have heard and you've encountered. Yep. So what exactly is the golden rule when it comes to savings? Well, I heard a lot of great things there. Um, People are doing right by themselves. And I think it is super, like you can tailor it to what you want, but the hard and fast rules are always save 10% of your income at least. 10%. 10%. Yeah, that's the minimum. Mm-hmm. And then you'll hear people saving ridiculous amounts mm-hmm. and like the fire movement Which where is? they want to be financially independent and retire early oh, with the option okay. to retire early. Okay. So it's it's a belief where they go super frugal. Um, 
they live really frugally mm-hmm. and they invest as much as they can. Right. Yeah. So there are a lot of schools of thought. Yeah. But I think like just starting with that, save 10% of your income. Mm-hmm. That's the best first step. Right. And then from there, you realize, oh, okay, I can actually save more. Yeah. Because w- when it comes to savings, what we find is that we're very good spenders. Mm-hmm. And if you want to look at it in the perspective of the full picture, just put down your inflow, which is your income, mm-hmm. and all your outflows. <laughs> you can like just go to town. You don't need the numbers specifically, yeah. but you can just write down every single thing you spend money on. Like just list them down, right? Yeah, just list them down. And you'll see that your inflow is like one, maybe two if yeah. you're lucky. And your outflow is like massive. Yeah, it's true. That's me. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's me too. So it's about readjusting uh, or like re-optimizing your expenses to see, are you really spending on the things that matter to you or are they just disappearing without any meaning? It's true. It's just so easy to be taking money out of your pocket and yeah, passing just, it to somebody. But yeah. to earn money is a whole different Yes. game and especially during COVID sure you know I had like five six months of zero income mm. that's when I felt the pinch yeah really. when your savings really Correct. helped you a lot yeah my savings helped me but it it was just to a certain extent because by the sixth month I think I could feel is drying up for sure right and yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of people could relate with that too yeah and that's why um what we will be talking about later on is important investing too, not mm-hmm. just savings. But um, I do have a question too. Sure. Like you mentioned 10% of the income, but how can you save when you're really earning just enough? It, I, I guess like it's gotten very sexy and it's a hype word. Yeah. Like everyone wants to invest yes. and make your money uh, work for you yeah. and grow, right? Yeah. Grow and build wealth. But there are a lot of like foundations that we need to get in check first, whether it is looking at, are we saving a good amount to invest? Do we have an emergency fund? Are we earning enough? Are we increasing our earning potential? And do we know enough about investing before actually jumping in? Going back down memory lane, like when did you first realize that it's important to have your own savings? Was that a personal experience that you experienced? And what was that like? I think uh, I always tell this story where I, I spent too much on my first paycheck. I, I liked <sighs> a designer bag, mm. so I bought it. But I think it goes back further than that. When I first started working, I was actually very embarrassed mm-hmm. because I didn't have a very high salary. Mm. And when I first started working, I didn't know how to ask for mm. that high salary. Because like, when you're freshly graduated, I don't know, I went through like this... Um, self-conscious like low confidence period where you know I'm freshly graduated I don't know if I can contribute so much I don't know my worth Mm -hmm. and then to be able to ask for um, an income I remember my CEO asked me oh so how much how much would you like to earn I was like stunned there I didn't know what to say even though I I knew like okay a fresh grad earns 2.8k 3k yeah yeah. so I, I said I said a number yeah. that was not very far from 3,000. Yeah. And I just had zero negotiation skills. I was so... Yeah. I, I was, An experience? Yeah. That, right? Right. Yeah. And I didn't think that I would ever be that sort of person. Mm. In my mind, I'll, I'll be like confident and I can ask for it. But no, that's not how it went down. Mm. So yeah, I started off with a low base pay. Mm-hmm. And then progressively... 
I was spending quite a lot. So I felt like, hmm, okay, this is, this is not going well. Mm. And that's when I started to shed some of this um, shame mm-hmm. and started talking to my colleagues mm-hmm. and asked them like, oh, okay, so what was your experience like? Um, even if they are comfortable, like I asked them, how much are you earning? Yeah. How do you earn more money? Yeah. How do you grow that money? Yeah. Because oh. it seems like the, the conversation about how much you earn seems like a sensitive topic. Right? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I do remember being on an interview once and someone asked me, can you share with us how much you earn? Ooh. And I do get that quite a bit too. Even with me asking how, how do you save your money and all that, yeah. I get people asking me back, how much do you earn and what yeah. do you do with your money? Mm-hmm. And personally, I, just fi- I do find it a bit uncomfortable to be sharing that information, but sometimes you can still share without giving the exact amount, right? Right. Yeah. There are ways around it, right? Correct. And I think just growing up, we were told that it's rude to ask people Correct. about these type of questions. Yeah. So we, we've kind of like taken that to heart. Yeah. And... We can see it. Yeah. Like, there's discomfort when people yeah. are talking about like, like say if you told me how much you earn and if I didn't earn that amount, I would feel like, oh, oh what am yeah. I doing wrong? Yeah. 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 But progressively over the years, I've been a bit more open with my friends. Yes. Obviously not to the public. <laughs> you right? don't go no. telling everyone. Hey. I don't go telling everyone, I'm earning $500 million. <laughs> no, you don't do that. But I've come to become a bit more open especially with my friends especially with my partner I'm very transparent with my partner and we are very transparent to each other but I remember my parents weren't really like that like it was very like hush hush my money is my money you don't touch my money unless it's our money together sure and speaking of relationships actually when savings in a relationship Mm -hmm. do you think couples married couples I guess okay should have a shared savings Ooh, so this is contentious for me because mm. I'm moving in with my boyfriend. Yeah, we're renting a place, so this is like a whole oh, new it is a whole new landscape for me. So yeah. I'm inexperienced right now, but ideally, I would like to have a component of our money being shared because, like, mm. if you're living together, you're gonna have household expenses, yeah. and I think it is important to one, have your own money as yeah. like individuals, but for also sure. find ways to share yeah. the money, yeah. especially for expenses. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to that. I'll update oh, you. Oh, it's your first time? It's my first oh, time. Hey. It's going to be exciting. Thank you for experience. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Do, do you ever fight about money? Yeah. Uh, okay, wait. We've, we are pretty transparent. Like, if it's something that both of us use, then we'll just split it. Sure. Obviously, stuff like rental also will split it because yeah. we, we we own it equally and yeah. we're pretty equal in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, like my earnings are my money, obviously, but if it's something that's ours, then we'll just split it equally. So we never actually argue much about money. That's a good... Yes, um, that is, that's now good. that I think about it, I never thought about it. Thank you for, quest- uh, for hey. the question. Uh we never really had big arguments about money. But I guess it's a different story if we were to, I guess, buy a house. Yeah. That's for the future. But future story. Future story. But for now, we're still renting. Um, so far, okay. Yeah. But we were very transparent from the start. Yeah, it's important, I, I think. I think money talks very sensitive. And I come from a broken family and money was such a big issue, you yeah. know, and... It's, it's tough. And I don't want that to be a part of my relationship now. Yeah. And it sounds like you've already overcome that by being so transparent and yeah, communicative. Correct. 
and oh, nice. it helps to be transparent to talk about money with my partner straight up like you know what's going to happen if we do move in so this happened before we moved in sure right not not like when we moved in okay now what <laughs> yeah, I think that might be a bit too late. So yeah. that's a bit of a advice personally that I think money matters should be spoken about. And don't just assume. Yeah. Because you can never know what your partner thinks. You're going to get surprises. Yeah. You're like, oh, surprise. I have a lot of money Correct. in credit card debt. Yeah. Huh. Who knows? I think it's important to know where your partner stands financially. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have your savings. Sure. Mm-hmm. What if your partner doesn't and mm-hmm. end up having needing you to be supporting expenses. This is really like, I'm pretty sure there are people who go through that. And that's when the stress comes in and And fighting about money. Yeah, so for me personally, before I get into, not to say that I need to know how much you earn so then I'll get into a relationship with you. Not so much that, but like, you know, as we mature in a relationship, uh, we do have conversations about our financial stability. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would want both of us to be financially stable to be able to do it together. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise it would be very, very rocky. For sure, yeah. I, I remember when I was younger, my mom was always saying, you need to date someone who has a very yes. similar financial um, background with or you. Or better. Or better. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's the best scenario. But, you know, like after dating and like yeah. going through different relationships... There is some truth to it, but at the same time, I think it's about how they manage their money that we need to find out that is more important than all like what you were, what cards you were dealt with in the first place. Yeah. I think I got lucky that in my relationship, I'm the one who's shit with money. Oh. Yeah. I am not that great. Like sometimes even when we split, I don't remember how much he owes or how much I owe him. He needs to be tracking and okay. really reminding me. So I'm thankful that Joseph is pretty on point with his money. And he's very honest with me. Oh, So he's like, no, this is what, what, what? And that's what I'm, oh, great. Thank you. So that's very helpful. And I, I am lucky in that sense. But, but don't worry. It's like when you're shit now, yeah. you only get better. It's true. So yeah, that's why, start shit, right? Yeah, and that's why I really want to learn to manage my money better. Sure. And um, going back to savings, guys, what happens if you hit your goal? Hmm. For instance, let's say 100,000. Oh, saving 100,000. That's big news. Uh, is that big? Okay, fair. Yeah. Maybe, this is from someone who told me. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, 100,000. Okay, let's just say 100,000. You've hit 100,000 after, say, X amount of years. What's next? I Do think, you add on another hundred thousand or? That's where the the misconception is, you know, like mm. when you're saving, mm. you need to figure out first, why are you saving? What is it for? Mm. It's always about uh, starting with the end in mind. Yeah. So then you actually get a sense of what it's all about. Yeah. It's like if you're going through life, uh, just doing what people are telling you, oh, you got to get married, you got to get a house, you got to have 100,000 in your bank account. You will do all these things and check them off the list. Yeah. But then once you get there, you're like, now what? Yeah, what's next? And yeah. what did I do all of this for? Yeah. 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 So for me, when I save, yeah. it's always for a purpose. Right. And I talk about this a lot in my videos. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of this thing called the bucket system. Yeah, tell where, us more about that. Yeah, it's like you are saving for particular purposes. So for me, I love mm-hmm. my vacation fund, my okay. gift fund. Okay. So if I don't plan for these and mm. then they pop up, I feel bad if I cannot get my friend a present yeah. for their birthday or if I cannot attend a friend's wedding because I don't have the budget for it. So I, I 
mitigate that or I find my way around that by having these buckets. And how do you track these buckets? Is it like a notebook or is it like an app you use? Yes. So this is where people can choose. Like mm-hmm. some people love their Excel sheet. Some people yeah. love their phone tracker. So I use two things. I use a phone tracker. Mm-hmm. Oh, but actually, no, I do use an Excel sheet <laughs> because it generates like graphs, yeah. but you don't have to do that. Yeah. The phone tracker is great because once you spend it, you just right. write it down before you forget. And then mm-hmm. what actually really, really helps is having separate bank accounts. Oh, so okay. I don't need to like, okay, this amount is for vacation. This amount is for my expenses. So I don't have to think about it. Yeah. The balance yeah. is what it's, it's for. Already. Right. When you say separate bank accounts, you mean like a bank account for vacation, a bank account for... Yeah. Are you serious? I literally oh my gosh. open many bank accounts. It's oh. not for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. I was going to say, someone mm. said she has two. One for savings, one for expenses. Yes. So for you, you're uh, under the umbrella of your expenses. You have multiple accounts just to keep track. Yes. Wow, that's the first time I'm hearing this. I might just take that up. I don't know. It might work for me. For you can try. Like You yeah. never know until you actually test it out. Yeah. And what I like about it is I don't have to look at the Excel sheet to say, oh, I can only spend this amount. Because it's already in a bank account yeah. how much that's left. And it's kind of like motivational. You're like, oh, okay, that amount's growing. Yeah. I can do something about it. Mm, okay, when it comes to debit card though, then you have multiple debit cards oh, okay. too? So let's. Sorry, I'm just like breaking down her thoughts. No, that's great. So, in order to open, like, say, two accounts with Maybank, for example, I needed two debit cards. Yeah. So I could open, let's just say, a Maybank to Use Savers online, and I could open another another savings account called Premier Savings or something like that. And then when I went to the bank, I said, "Can you separate these two bank accounts for me?" And I didn't know you can do that. Yeah, like it's it's very interesting. So under the one account, you can have different... Yes. Um, so let's say you have just a Maybank savings account. Correct. You can apply for um, a separate bank account. Like a sub-account. Yes. How many can you open up to? I think the max I tried was <laughs> uh, three within okay. Maybank. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh. And like different banks will have different uh, products as yeah, well. So like sure. OCBC, I could open three as well. That's Good info. Yep. <laughs> right. And that helps you to track your spendings. Uh, so like every month you kind of like allocate X amount of money into yep. each account. I'll do a percentage. Mm. So I, yeah, like I said, I was staying at home. I have very little expenses. Yeah. I'll put 50% yeah. in investments. Yeah. That's not happening next month anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, but it was good while it lasted. Yes, yes. And then I'll put like... 30% max in yeah. uh, daily expenses. Yeah. Oh, and I also set up an account for splurging, like treating yourself. Yes, because retail therapy. Yeah, right? or like just something you want to treat yourself yeah. to feel good. Yeah. Because if you're just saving and saving, yeah. it just feels endless. Yeah. And it sucks the fun out of it. That's me, honestly, guys. Like I, I save and that's all I do. And yeah. I feel like when you mention about your intention behind your savings, what are you saving for? Personally, now that I kind of like think about it, I just don't want to be broke and have zero money in my account. That's all right. My, my, so what yeah. you're doing is building an emergency fund that will protect you yeah. in case you needed it. Yeah. And then once you've done that, you can move on to bigger things. Like say, if you want to, if you want to travel the world, yeah. like, I mean, like when 
the pandemic over <laughs> and we can travel, right? Everyone's yeah. itching to do it. Yeah. Then you are saving towards that goal that right. you are working towards and that you'll achieve at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So, or like buying a house yeah. or like having a million dollar portfolio, what, whatever it is, these are things that we can um, make more concrete. Yeah. And I think the common fear when it comes to money is that you need to see the money in your account. <laughs> yes, yes. If it's not in your account, if it's in a form of, say, a house you invested, you mm-hmm. feel like you don't have money. Yes. I think that's a common misconception, especially for yep. myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a noob, guys. When it comes to finances, I'm a total noob. That's why I need Suyin here to really educate me because I'm that kind of person. Like if I don't have, say, 10 ringgit in my bank account and I have 50, right? Sure. And... And because I need to buy a house, 30 ringgit is gone. Now I only have 20. Oh my gosh. You're like, oh, freaking out. Yeah, why why so little now? It's human, right? We want to see that big account to feel that we can take care of ourselves. And I was there. I'm like, after I've sorted out my expenses, I was like, okay, let's grow this amount. And then I figured out, hey, it's just sitting there. (laughs) It's not even earning much interest at all. So I'm not making my money work hard. Mm. But I've put in so many hours to earn that amount right. of money and it's right. just getting burnt by inflation. Yeah. So we have, we have to teach ourselves new things when it mm-hmm. comes to finance. Yeah. And Which, yeah, go ahead. Like teaching ourselves that that big amount in your bank account could not necessarily oh well, it's not necessarily good for you. Yeah. In the long run. I learned it. I wouldn't say the hard way yet, but you know, I learned it in a way where I'm like quite a slap in my face. Having money, savings in your account this doesn't mean it's good for you. Because like you said, inflation in 10 years, does this, how much is this money actually worth, sure. right? Uh, which kind of brings me to our next pillar of conversation. Uh, that was savings earlier. And, you know, when you've saved enough, they say go invest. Don't let your money sit in the bank. But a lot of the times, we really don't know where to start. Um, more than 50% of you guys voted what is investment? I don't know anything about it. And there's like almost 500 people, by the way. Really, just on oh, my account. okay. Nice. Almost 500 of you said investment what? Because you have no clue That's what it is. That's 500 more people who will know about it now. Exactly. And personally, I like I said, I have zero financial investment I don't invest and I don't know how to but I do have savings so that's all I have because I used to think that as long as I'm working hard enough I'm earning the money saving my money in the bank account I'll be okay sure. but you just mentioned the the magic word inflation oh, so <laughs> the fear word <laughs> so maybe you can break it down to those of them who actually really don't even know what inflation means okay yeah. so inflation is like just an easy way to look at it what you can buy today with your 10 ringgit in a couple of years' time, you can buy less stuff or worst case scenario, you can't buy anything at all with it anymore. So I guess like this will, this will really show our age, right? Like I when know. we were young. 20 cents, go to school enough already. Yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you can buy so much with 20 cents. You can buy yeah. your nuggets. Like yes. I think noodles was 40 to 60 cents, yes. a bowl of noodles Correct. in school. You can't buy that anymore. No. Having one ringgit daily just to go to school is Lux. a luxury. Yeah. Super lux. Wow, today your mother gave you one ringgit. Ah. Yeah. My God, my mother <laughs> give me 50 cents. You're really, balling with yes. one ringgit. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh man, so that's think about inflation. It. Inflation, guys. Mm. One ringgit today, I can't even pay for my parking ticket. Let me tell you that. Yeah, man. Two bucks, three bucks. I know. Go Pavilion is fifteen bucks. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got shocked. There was one time I had a shoot for an entire day at a hotel, and my parking was forty ringgit. I'm not even kidding. Like, mm. there goes my income. Hello. Yeah. But yeah. Um. <laughs> so of course the common common fear when it comes to investing really is based on what you guys have shared with me as well so thank you so much for sharing scared of the risk fear of losing my heart and money for sure right yeah. um, no knowledge common just like me worried about not having enough if you lose those money that you have invested yep and no confidence therefore you never really bothered um savings are enough so why bother investing mm-hmm. and of course finally it's really just not earning enough to invest. invest. Yeah. yeah. I get that. And like say once we've gotten things out of the way, like say once you've gotten your emergency fund, you're well covered yeah. and uh, let's say you have begun to earn more money mm-hmm. as well because these are all things we need to do anyway. For sure. And then now we're looking at investments. To make it less intimidating, you need to see that everyone is actually an investor mm. just indirectly because most of us, unless you've like freelanced your whole life, mm-hmm. you have your employee's provident fund, your EPF. I don't have that. At all? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So let me think about it. But the majority of people, they, do, yes. they would have. For sure. So they are an investor. It's just that other people are investing the money for mm, them. Understand. Yeah, I've heard about EPF. But because like I have always been somewhat a freelancer, mm. never really been fully employed by a sure. company. Therefore, yep. I don't have the employment EP, EPF. Yeah, EPF. Right? Uh, and there's this thing called SOXO as well. Mm. What, what What's the difference really? Okay. So this is where it gets into like a bit of technicality. I don't look into it because I don't... Um, I don't think it's like worthwhile right. for your time. Yeah. So SOXO is what we definitely will contribute to if we are employed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more for, let's say, when we are earning lesser amounts. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So they do give like payouts right. for people who have lost their jobs in certain mm-hmm. circumstances. Mm-hmm. But it's very um, caveated to Understand. certain criteria set bracket of income yeah. people understood. Mm-hmm. right understood understood so that is like to help out uh, that individual yeah whereas EPF what we are actually contributing for is retirement, retirement. fund yeah. right and apparently like even if you're like me not kind of uh, employed under a company you are an employer yourself you can still set up your own EPF fund which you can contribute, contribute uh, yes. freely yes right you can choose uh, well I mean like if you have employees yeah you need to be contributing to their EPF mm-hmm. and your own and your own. Um, but there, there are like adjustments you can make. Mm. You can do the minimal, right. you can top it up. Right. So best to speak to like tax consult- yeah. consultants when it comes yeah. to this. I'll, I'll talk to my guy. <laughs> but yeah, EPF is one way to invest. And if you're already a full-time employee, technically you, you should have. You will be investing right. for sure. And can you, would you recommend them paying more than they've already been paying. Yeah, so okay, for EPF, we can actually contribute extra uh-huh. up to 60000 a year. Okay. So I would recommend that if you really don't want to um, find out how to invest yeah. and know if you do that, the returns that you'll be getting will be around 5%. 
Is that per a good year. number? It's a safe number. Okay. It's like, um, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. EPF um, doesn't guarantee that you have that high, higher return. return rate, mm -hmm. but it is something. Okay. Yeah. Right. And apart from um, EPF, the question is how else can we diversify sure. our funds or investments? I think this part is very interesting because yeah. how I see it is yeah. there are a few main ways to do it. There are, of course, like people talk about this all the time, there's stocks yeah. where we buy an ownership percentage in companies mm -hmm. that are publicly run. Yeah. Uh, there are properties that we can buy. And, mm -hmm. you know, like even within that, it's so diverse. You can buy mm -hmm. physical properties or you can buy REITs. Real estate REITs. investment trusts. Mm -hmm. So you buy them like how you buy shares, mm -hmm. but you'll have um, these proper companies uh, running this, running a business of properties, and they collect rental income. Mm. Mm. So if you don't want to own physical property, that is an alternative. Mm -hmm. Running a business is a big investment That's class true. as well, and this is the preferred investment class because the cash flow can be very good. Yeah. Whereas like if you're investing in stocks, you it's need to sell slow. them. Yeah. It's slower. Uh, or if you're collecting dividends, it's not every month that you will have a dividend. Yeah. So um, that, and then you have alternative asset classes. There's cryptocurrency. We cannot yeah. avoid talking about that, right? For sure. And there's like collectibles, like people collect sneakers, um, figurines, bags, art, bags, yeah. wine. Okay. I never saw yeah. investment in that form. Yeah, like anything that you can put your money into that will, that will grow and appreciate in value over right. time or give you some form of income, mm -hmm. that's an investment. For sure. And like even within that, there yeah. are so many different strategies. Like even if you're a stock investor, mm -hmm. you can be a trader and you can be like looking at a screen all the time, looking at charts, mm -hmm. or you can be um, an investor that just looks at the business as a whole and they look at the numbers, but they're not so inclined to look at the screen 24-7. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now, that's good to know because I've always thought when it comes to investing, it's just stock, stock, stock. I mean, sure. obviously there's property, but yeah. I've heard stories where, you know, the value of the property kind of declined instead of increasing as well. Yeah. So there are cases like that. So that's a risk there. So you before you even buy a property, you really need to really read the room and learn not just about the property, but what's around surrounding areas to see if it's going to really work for you and your money, right? But, but, but before we even invest, what are the, some of the important questions that that's important to ask, to know? Okay. Uh, why are you investing for? Again, yeah. starting with that. Mm -hmm. Are you investing for retirement? Are you investing because you're going to need the money for a wedding or, or something in the near future? Uh, again, do you have your emergency fund? Because you don't want to invest and then suddenly something happens you to you and then you have to left. pull your investments out yeah. maybe at the wrong time. Yeah. And it's just like a, a bad experience, a shit show. Yeah. And then you get scarred yeah. from that. Uh, what else would I ask myself? What kind of investor do I want to be? What kind of lifestyle do I want to have? Mm. Is important when you are choosing what investment classes you want to look into. Because I think like for the type of person that I am, I want something that is straightforward, that is interesting to me. And that is generally how I pick my yeah. investments right now. Speaking of that, of course, I'm pretty sure there are people who have made some sort of rookie mistakes before too. Oh, Especially sure, sure. if it's your first time or maybe yourself oh, yeah, have experienced yeah, definitely. it. So if you have, 
What are some of the common investment mistakes and or mistakes that you have personally experienced, if you don't mind sharing? Okay, so I'm I'm first and foremost a stock investor. So I love to look at individual companies, but at the same time, I do advocate for not everyone is interested in that or not everyone has the time. So you can choose to use uh, platforms like StashAway where they're like investing broad base. Some mistakes I've made before as an individual investor is paying too much for a company. Too much. Yeah. So like investing too much. Like when you see this company, like you think, oh, this, this company is the shit, right? Like you, you really believe in it and then you're like, mm, okay. You jump the gun a bit too soon. Yeah, you jump the gun because the price you could be overpaying mm. for what it is That's in the market right now, what it's selling for. And then like months later, yeah. it could be much lower than what you pay for. And that's a very, very common mistake because, you know, sometimes we overpay. Yeah. 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 And completely understandable too. Like, you know, you want to invest, you want returns. So therefore you, you just put in more with the risk in mind, obviously. And sometimes don't go your way. Yeah. So apart from that, what other mistakes that you or maybe people that you've encountered have experienced? Um, Okay. So, as part of the school that I was working with, a lot of them were very open to investments and hearing like projects, and you mm-hmm. get a lot of um, you get a lot of different kinds of things that come your way. So some of them do happen to be scams, right? Yeah. And the funny thing is, a lot of people when they know, oh yeah, it's a it's a Ponzi scam or like it's a it's going to come crashing, it's not going to last. Like some people do know that. And they put their money in anyway, thinking that they'll get out before it crashes. <sighs> That's very common. Like to, to allow ourselves to give in to the greed, mm-hmm. it's human. And yeah. that's why like when we're investing, we need to know more about ourselves and how we react to yeah. things and what drives us yeah. before getting in. Because it is more emotional than um, technical most of the time when it comes yeah. to investing. Right. And of course, you need to first have enough to invest and not just invest your entire assets into something. Yeah, yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. And they also say like diversify and not just focus on one thing. Okay. Like when, when you're talking about that, um, again, there are, um, it's, it's broad, right? Yeah. So you can have some money in liquid cash. Mm-hmm. You can have some money in stocks. You can have some money in properties a little bit of money in cryptocurrency, that's what they could be meaning from diversification, Mm -hmm. like um, allocating bits and pieces of your money so that if, say, the market is down for stocks, maybe your property is still going okay. So that's like um, that saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. basket. Yeah, right? Timeless saying. And then like even in investing in stocks itself, you can diversify further, mm-hmm. whether it is regional. Yeah. Um, like if you want to invest in the US as well as Malaysia, yeah. as well as other countries, yeah. um, the type of companies you want to put your money into yeah. also. yeah. And what would you say is a beginner-friendly investment? Because buying a property seems like a huge commitment, right? Yeah. Like I wouldn't recommend it to someone who's like trying to invest for the very first time or just have a mm-hmm. bit of money to, to do that. Yeah. What, in your opinion, would, would that be a beginner-friendly investment? Um, I, I wouldn't say property because 
I personally have never done it yeah. for an investment, right? And the most approachable, I really do think, are exchange-traded funds, mm. uh, ETFs, or a robo-advisor platform that can help you, like, get your toes wet into this whole investing site. Yeah, because it is broad-based. It's mimicking markets or different markets, and they will allocate for you. They diversify for you. So that's a really good entry point. And it's, I wouldn't say safer, but I think it is... Lower risk? No. It can be. It can be lower okay. risk. Uh, would you say that's pretty similar to apps like StashAway? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Right. Yeah. Okay. And what are your thoughts though on apps like StashAway? Do you personally... I do. I, oh, I use okay. StashAway even though I invest in companies. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great because I don't have to do the work. How does it work? Because honestly, I have no clue when you okay. talk about what... Uh, some terms you mentioned. Yeah, earlier. robo, robo and like what? I'm like clueless. Okay, so basically... So if you can break it down to someone who's like me, total sure, noob, sure. first so time. It's like um, an institution, a financial okay. is institution. They're going to take your money that you have said, okay, I'm giving you this money. You're going to invest it for me. Right. And they show you exactly how they invest their money. They put it in um, ETFs, yeah. exchange-traded funds. Mm -hmm. So they... These ETFs represent a portion of a market. It could be the American market, 500 largest companies, or it could be the Chinese technology stocks, or it could be a portion in gold. So what they do is they give um, like a nice pie and they segregate the pie mm -hmm. into many sections yeah. and they will put what money you have yeah. across this whole yeah. pie slice. Yeah. And then what they do is they take a fee, mm -hmm. but you will also get the returns that are generated across the period of time that you're investing. Right. So what happens is, you know, the market will go up and down For sure. and the prices of these ETFs will also go up and down. Mm. But in the really long run, markets actually trend. It goes up. In one direction, yeah. it goes up. So that is the idea yeah. of investing yeah. with a platform like that. Right. And when you say long-term, how many years or months are we talk look, talking about? Okay. Yeah. So long-term for me, mm -hmm. it's 10 years. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess like when it comes to investing, you're going to need to know what is your investing horizon. Yeah. That's a good question to, to ask. To expect a good return mm. or like a, a decent return. Yeah. Right. 10 years is a long time and I haven't even started, guys. <laughs> I mean, there's... <laughs> can always start yeah. and I, I really identify with accumulating information before starting because it just helps with the nerves. For sure. Yeah. I, just having this conversation with you, I definitely learned more than two things, more than three, more than four. And uh, I am definitely going to look into some form of investment myself because I have really been just saving blindly with no intentions. I want to say no to intentions. Like it's really my emergency fund and that's all I save for. But that's already a really good first step yeah, as well. I guess. And I guess sometimes we like put ourselves down like, oh, I haven't done this and like my friends are so far ahead, but yeah. we forget to celebrate where we're at and that's where true. we've come. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So to those of you who are also like me, clueless about money, really don't know where to start, I hope this episode really gave you guys um, a bit of of context and a bit of direction on where you should you can head towards and you know i think we talked about quite a bit a bit of everything we talked about tax we talked about 
savings, some golden rules, and also when it comes to investment. Um, well, what else do I want to talk about? Is there anything else we could cover that I missed out? Hmm, I think that's about it, right? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a lot to do with having conversations. That's true. It's uncomfortable as heck at the start. Super. But I think we all just want to figure money out. Definitely. And it took me a while because I think at some point of my life, I was just really struggling with money, meaning like wasn't really earning enough. So therefore, investment was re- never really in the picture. Not that I'm like earning million dollars right now, but like, you know, I, I am a bit more financially stable and that's when I'm really starting to realize that I don't want my money to just sit in my bank mm-hmm. and let it not rot, but like, you know, face inflation and shit like that, right? Wither maybe is I the word. <laughs> So yes, investing or the word investment, like you said, is such a sexy word now. It's like everybody's doing it, but you really have no clue where. Why, like I said, yeah. words like robo, like uh, et- what what was the ETF? ETF. I have no clue, but today now I do. So um, I'm very transparent with where I stand with finances. I'm not great at it, but I hope um, you guys learn a thing or two today. And uh, is there anything else that you would like to share um, where you are right now and what would that one golden piece of advice you would give to your younger self or mm. our listeners when it comes to finances? I guess um, the awareness that everyone starts from somewhere mm-hmm. and it's, it's not something to be ashamed about. No one's expecting us to just have it figured out straight For sure. away. For sure. And we're going to suck at it at the start. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. And doesn't matter. We are actually the same age. Yeah. So uh, I'm starting now only, guys. And it's not too late. It's never too late as long as you start, right? And with that, um, remember, guys, knowledge is power. So today, we shared a bit of knowledge when it comes to finances. And I hope you can take that power back and do something with it with your money. And even if you're not earning enough yet, that's okay. I think I've shared this before. There was one time I only had like 250 ringgit in my bank account for months. I was homeless, blah, blah, blah and shit. But it just just keep working hard, keep grinding, find your way around things and I'm pretty sure you will be able to get out of it. And of course, um, like I always say, take care of yourself first because that is the best investment you can ever make. You. Sure, yeah. Right? And I think apart from investing in stocks, property and stuff like that, don't ever forget to invest in yourself. Yep. That because can- you can't do the rest without being healthy. Exactly. In your body, in your mind, in your soul. Exactly. Invest in your health, invest in your relationship, invest oh, yes. in education. If you want to learn a new skill, you know, earn, uh, save a bit of money to, to, to go to that. Like for myself, I, I invested in my certifications when it comes to fitness because that's what I want to learn and want to, um, get better at and it could be different for everybody but what I'm trying to say is don't ever ever not invest in yourself yeah like it's as simple as that be courageous to spend money or time yes to earn more money in the future true because investment is not all money no 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 not at all like it could be time. It could be conversations like you said people people invest in your people too because without them who are we right Okay, guys, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Of course, I would love to get more in depth into, you know, the pillars of conversation we had today, tax, 
savings, investment, and that's only the surface of things. Yep. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can get Suyin back on again. But before we go, uh, could you do a quick plug-in on where our listeners can find you? Ah, okay. Yes, you can find me on YouTube. Just type in Suyin Ong. Or alternatively, you can type in Stash Away. I pop up. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> because I actually document my stash away journey from start uh, to I currently yeah. so you get to see everything like you get to see when I was like skeptical yeah. about it you get to see like the March crash mm-hmm. what happened what I did and oh, wow. right now uh, you can find me on Instagram at Suyin mm. Invests or Suyin Invests yeah. and yeah that's that's where you find me Alrighty, guys. I think we have come to the end of the episode. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have any questions at all, if you want to reach out to Suyin, go to her Instagram. Or if you have any ideas or things that you would like me to get her to talk about even more, drop us a DM on Instagram. We are the Head Over Heels. And till then, don't forget to fall head over heels with yourself first and always. My name is Maggie and we have Suyin here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. See y'all.